Welcome to Last Time On. This is the podcast for people who want to watch all this prestige television, but who's got time for it? You know I don't. Wait, what time is it? It's, what time is it? It's, it's Lions playoff robot time. fighting time. Yeah, the podcast That's is true. locked. The lights are on. I'm Jafar. I'm Ben. And I'm Victor. And if I could take a moment, I'm very excited that by the time this podcast airs, there's a very real possibility that the new season of BattleBots will be filming out in Las Vegas. And check out Bloodsport. My side project, Dominion Media Television, is now an official sponsor of Team Bloodsport. Dominion Media Television is your side project? Isn't this your side project? Okay, yes, but I didn't want to say that on your podcast. So. <laughs> no, it's, has, I, I was, I don't know if I've told this story. I don't think I've talked about this on this pod, but on Who Are You? I've probably mentioned that I, at one point, was in a band that was my band's opening act as a joke has like a side project and it was the Manhattan side project was the name of the other band of which Ben <laughs> is a member, a yeah. longstanding member hey, all right. um, started as a way. Cause so I was in a grunge band and I played bass in a grunge band for a number of years and we would get these wristbands when we would go and play the bar in our college town, which gave us dollar drinks. They also, you just booked a night they didn't care. You had to arrange your own opening acts and everything. They were just like, okay, this night is yours. If you want anyone else to play with you, you figure it out. And so we had bands down in the Detroit area that we had played a number of shows with that we were friends with that we would invite up. But at a certain point, we're like, well, we need three bands and we only have two for tonight. So we just made our own band and used it as an excuse to give a bunch of our friends dollar drink wristbands. And that's how that band started. And then it, it's it survived significantly longer than the grunge band yes. at this point. The grunge band's been dead for 13 years at this point. And the other band, while not particularly active, has done at least five to 10 shows in that 13 years. So a lot of them Good in job. your basement. A lot nice. of them in your basement. But also in actual venues. We've done a couple. It's been a long time, though. Ben, what do you play? Uh, I play uh, bass, a little, little bit of guitar, and I sing. Oh, nice. And trombone. Nice, cool. But that didn't <laughs> that didn't factor in much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just guessing that Jafar plays guitar based on his guitar collection in the background there. <laughs> I have played guitar for that band, but I'm mostly the drummer in no its way. current configuration. Oh, wow. I don't play a full drum set. I play a djembe mostly. What's a djembe? <laughs> a djembe is a West African drum that looks like an hourglass. It's called a talking drum because it's used <laughs> for communication primarily outside of its musical use. And that is just super... so on brand for sure. <laughs> it's, it's a really cool drum because what makes it unique is so how tight a drum head is factors into the pitch of the drum head, right? Like how far you've stretched that surface when you hit it impacts the sound it makes. So the djembe has a set of strings down the side that you can squeeze with your arm, like the inside of your arm while you're drumming. You can adjust the pitch of the drum that way. So you can do cool things with it that way. And then due to the nature of it being a hand drum, there's a handful of neat like techniques where you place a free hand on different parts of the edge of the drum at different angles, which muffles it in certain directions. And you can kind of get cool sounds out of it that way. It's a fun little drum that I play around with from time to time. Dude, if you're, you're imagining a, a hippie drum circle, oh, they yes, are playing gem bass. It is a thousand percent the stereotypical hippie drum circle drum. You're going to have to demonstrate for us on pod sometime, man. Play, probably play not on pod, but oh, come on. sure. I haven't played, I haven't picked it up in probably two years so i need to do that awesome. um but i play everything in that band i once made a point of doing an entire show where i played a different instrument for every song because <laughs> it was just a joke for me at that point in college i played jugs on stage i had like six glass jugs filled with different things of water and did a song on those i've played bazooki with that band guitar bass drum triangle. do you have a didgeridoo 
We know a I guy. Played, I have played didgeridoo <laughs> for that band. If you've got a didgeridoo guy, we do have. We have a. We have a couple didgeridoo guys. <laughs> and I borrowed one. God, what else? That All is kinds epic. of shit. Tambourine, like just whatever we could find musically. I think I did jaw harp once. Like just all kinds of random shit, just whatever I could find. God damn, uh, I can barely play the trombone. kazoo, man. I'm I'm in awe of your skill set. Uh, harmonica, a handful of times, just whatever. It was just fun to fuck around with. That uh, I will say, part of just remember this is opening band in a college band's bar yeah. set. Like we were having fun, yeah. <laughs> not we were not good. not tight musically. We would maybe practice sometimes, but most of the time it was kind of just like, hey, we're, this is our set list. Learn these songs and maybe we'll get together and have a beer before the show. It was very much the style of that band. Well, speaking but of being very cool uh, musically. Well, I was just going to say, very cool that we are going to be seeing a DMTV logo on a robot. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Sweet. I don't know if I'd mentioned that earlier, but yeah, Dominion Media Television is sponsoring, is an official sponsor of Team Bloodsport. Oh, I did mention that. Okay, good. Yeah. Yes. I'll edit that out. Yeah, I just ran away yeah. with this cold open. That's all right. <laughs> no, this is cool. I like hearing Jafar's backstory. This is awesome. <laughs> if you want to hear more of my backstory, that's <laughs> half of the premise of Who Are You? My Babylon 5 Watchcast with my co-host, Laura, where we get to know each other over the course of the podcast. Which oh, is right, a lot right, of fun. right. Yeah, yeah. because, yeah. I mean, we're, we're good friends now, but when we started back in season one, that was the whole thing, was we were getting to know each other. Our second or third conversation ever was our first episode. Like... How, how did you two get that going at being complete strange? Oh, ben. <laughs> ben did it. <laughs> ben did it. Um, it's my fault. So nice. we are Ben, Laura, and I are all friends of DeSoto, as you've also know, men, made mention before you listen to the Greatest Generation Star Trek podcast. And there is a Facebook group for people who podcast and also listen to the Greatest Generation. Okay. Wow. And we were part of that because we were doing Draft the Universe back mm-hmm. then. And so at one point, Laura was all like, hey, I want to do this Babylon 5 podcast. And my co-host bailed. And then Ben was all like, hey, Jafar just is finishing up a rewatch of Babylon 5 right now. Yeah. And and Draft the Universe had ended and Jafar was champing at the bit to to podcast again. This podcast actually was the thing that I was talking about back then. But this ended up getting shelved and ended up doing Who Are You for a couple of years before we resurrected this idea for this podcast. Nice, nice. Uh, but I think I think this podcast idea goes back to even before Draft the Universe. I found some very very old notes of mine that detailed out how we could possibly go about this podcast. Sweet. Although it was very different in those early stages than its current <laughs> incarnation. Yeah, so I've just talked a ton. Um, <laughs> you know what's pretty silent though? The opening of this episode, we've got Stargate SG One Season Nine Episode Six, Beachhead. And we open on some Jaffa. Well, uh, no, we open f- on an unskippable recap. It doesn't have the reskip, the skip recap button. <laughs> oh, you yeah, warned me, so I, I warned. It. <laughs> yeah, I hit that fast forward ten four times, and your timing was perfect. I saw Bo Bridge's face for like half a second before I could know what was going on, and then went into the episode, which was just because I'm all like, I feel like I knew that guy, but I didn't see enough of him, and then. I didn't find out it was Bo Bridges until we hit our theme music, which we'll talk about in a moment because as soon as I heard talk about as soon as I heard previously on Stargate SG one. Yeah, I started hitting fast forward. I I caught a glimpse of Claudia Black wearing Rocky Horror Picture Show cosplay. Apparently, (laughs) I missed that. (laughs) She was in some. Yeah, she was in some strappy leather bondage gear. It looked like it was like, whoa, okay, well, it wouldn't be an early actual Rocky sci-fi show. Okay. I'm really hoping there's a Rocky Horror episode of SG-1. <laughs> you know, at this point, statistically, 200 episodes uh, probably. But uh, yeah. yeah, we have a group of Jaffa. They are trying to tell this uh, this guy who is an Ori prior. Hey, we, we read your book. We didn't like it. You don't want to subscribe to your newsletter. Yeah. And he's like, too bad, so sad. Zaps him with his magic staff. Yeah, he, uh, he gives them Sends these people man. flying. That was an epic heat. <laughs> That is Vic in my notes, magic staff, zap, zap, yeet. (laughs) So I am right on board Uh, with you. Did did we, did we, my notes say team Jaffa is my episode notes or team Jaffa is blasting off again. (laughs) And and Ben, you know, I wanted to ask you here as a 
religious studies major, when these Jaffa come in to meet this guy, I mean, when a fanatical zealot from a foreign land shows up at your doorstep and opens a portal to hell, like what's what's the the ah missing words again? As soon as I get on pod, my vocabulary starts uh, deteriorating. Yes, what's the pre pre preset pre? Oh. What usually happens? <laughs> what's the fucking word I'm looking for? Uh, anyway, so this was a huge setup for a joke that I just completely dropped the ball on on the very last <laughs> word. That's all right. It, it it does get complicated. The the portal to hell really, really is a big part of it. I do find it interesting that the Jaffa are all very much against it because you do find in some communities, and I'm going to say last time on, the free Jaffa, Jaffa are a, a big force now. Seems that they have mostly thrown off the, the yoke of the Gua'uld. There is always a subset of any people, if you look into like cults and stuff, who <laughs> leave one cult and just immediately to join another. Join another. Because they yeah. like they like the wow. uh, the structure of it, they like the uh, the ability to have absolute certainty, and that you know they have that predisposition for that, and that leads them into places where, hey, you don't have to question anything. I've already done all of your thinking for you. A lot like the how psychologists talk about or criminal psychologists talk about people who get who are like lifetime jail people. You know, once mm-hmm. they get out, they can't stand the real world anymore so they immediately go commit a crime that'll get them locked up again just because they can't they're used to being in jail now so yeah i could totally see that happening for cultists too or you may have run into this people who can't operate outside of the military Uh, ah yeah i'm thinking of the 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 scene like the scene in the the hurt locker where jeremy runner goes to the grocery store and is just like Mm -hmm. i can't deal with this oh yeah. yeah 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 i've known people like that so did you watch the credits this time jaffair I wa- I've I've made a point of watching the credits because it tells me who's in an episode now. Yes, sometimes <laughs> and sometimes, and we get credits. And what the fuck is John Crichton doing here? And where the fuck is MacGyver? Yeah, we've got one third the cast of Farscape r- r- running this show now. Right, Bridges, and I can't help but notice someone isn't in the opening credits with an executive producer credit anymore either. Oh, yeah. RDA doesn't have EP credit anymore. Not in the opening credits, at least. I didn't stick around for the closing. Oh. But I did notice, uh, yeah, they have really shaken up the cast here in season nine. Yeah. Uh, so Vala is on base, too. I And Vic, I, you get your point. Basketball scene. Yes. You get a basketball scene immediately. <laughs> We've got two people from Farscape in two episodes. I mm-hmm. promise I have not seen this show, guys. Oh, uh, speaking of, we've got, I should mention this in the opening, but I want to give a shout out to Pam and Anna who I hope are listening right now. They've new listeners to the podcast. They just started on episode one yesterday. And it was funny because she was, she was texting me throughout the thing. Like, you know, I was like, what seemingly asking random questions. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is shit. I talked about on episode one oh. <laughs> it was like in real time. I was like, what? Oh yeah. Asking about Stargate and what happens. Like, yeah, uh, something funny that she mentioned. She, she's mentioned that this seems like a very, she'd never seen SG one before either. And she started watching it and started listening to our podcast and had said that it's a very human centered sci-fi show to where very much we're we're the good guys and aliens are the bad guys. And that's something you see less and less of in modern sci-fi these days. And she was like, so does that continue? I'm like, well, fuck if I know, man, I've seen 13 (laughs) episodes of this. Your guess is as good as mine. (laughs) It seems like it. Yeah. It seems very much like. If this show were made 20 years later, it would be a Space Force recruitment sponsored show is definitely the vibe I get from it. Hmm. It's, it, it, it's very pro-military it, in, in good ways and bad ways, but I'm not here to lay down any of my super leftist commentary today. <laughs> but that for my other show. <laughs> so we've got General Bo Bridges being like, hey, Jeff, I've got my own sci-fi franchise now. Suck it. <laughs> Tron what? And they get a message from a screen time than you in sci-fi now. (laughs) They get a message from a minor gold named Neris, who is offering to work for SGC. And Vala is immediately like, no, don't trust that guy. He sucks. (laughs) Something I I made a note of in the opening when the Stargate opens, they get the text message from this guy. And Bo Bridges says, oh, it's in Gua'uld. Nobody here speaks Gua'uld. 
Like, motherfucker, you guys have been here for nine seasons now. You don't have, you don't have a translator? What the you, hell, you guys? Come on. To put one together for you in the last nine years. <laughs> but he says he's offering Intel. And after SG, SG1 defeated Anubis, yeah. they're in the big we leagues. Get, we get more than that. So yes. they're at the table and they and DJ gives us a last time on. They've <laughs> defeated Anubis. The replicators came in and defeated a ton of the system wards. And then they defeated the replicators. So vis-a-vis, they defeated all Gaul. Now, so I have to ask everybody. They've mentioned the replicators, but not what they are. So let's get weird with it. Let's get weird. Hey! Ah, you beat me to it. I was told, I put it in my notes. I was totally oh, going to do that. Too. <laughs> I, I anticipated this and wrote down one. All right. All right, you that, go first. <laughs> they're actual replicators, like straight out of Star Trek. It's just food dispensing machines. They are they are food dispensing machines that have gained sentience. Maybe a little gray gooey, but possibly we'll see. But they are they are machines that make other things that gain sentience and started fucking with things. And I do think that it is possible they are straight from actual Star Trek because <laughs> later in this episode we see use of a teleporter, not yes. a ring teleporter but an actual teleporter with very similar effects to Star Trek. And yeah. what my theory presupposes is that they got this technology from the replicators. Dude, that transporter scene later, I swear, it has the exact same sound effect as the original TOS transporter. <laughs> like, if you go back and listen to it, they they copied and pasted that bitch. It even looks like the movie one with the lines. Yes, yes, yes. The the Wrath of Khan sound effect from the transporters. I yeah. swear it's the exact same one. Yeah, I oh, made okay. a comment last time <laughs> that it felt like they just wanted to start doing Star Trek. Yeah, this is more of them just doing a Star, this is Trek, episode. Star Trek episode. Yeah. So, all right, uh, Vic, get weird with it. I think the replicators are shapeshifters, but I think that they are the kind of shapeshifters that are from that horrible movie. I don't even remember what it was called. What was, what was the title of Terminator 3? The uh, Machine Genesis. One of those. It was the one with Christina Loken, I think was her name. I think that's the, Rise of the Machines. But yeah, where where she is. Is that a, the one where Arnold pops out of the, like holding the coffin of Linda yes, Hamilton the with the mini gun in the other hand? That's yeah, that's the Rise yeah. of the Machines. Yeah, I think the replicators are, are shapeshifters that have the metallic thing, but they can also like control machines. That's exactly what they are. See, I'm imagining <laughs> that the the replication is more. They are able to split themselves off and have multiple versions of themselves at once. Yeah. So if one replicator gets into your base, you're not entirely sure how many there are. But I'm going to say <laughs> they figure out that the more a replicator replicates, the weaker it becomes <laughs> until it's able to get its other pieces back. And so they force all the replicators to replicate a bunch, and then they all die. Yeah, I, I was thinking that there were the new big bads. They would have had a bunch of episodes where everyone's suspicious of each other. Like, are you the real Daniel Jackson or are you a fucking replicator? You know? yeah. <laughs> Just stuff like that. Precedent. That's the word I was looking for 10 minutes ago. What's the precedent? Uh, okay. <laughs> Let me see how good my editing skills are. See if I can pull that off later when I edit <laughs> the episode to make it sound You'd like You'd be I'm surprised. Not complete. You, like... I have edited together segments where I have pulled conversations apart and rearranged the order of things. I have like <laughs> taken three minutes of time out and moved some stuff to after other lines are said and things. And it all sounds seamless as long as the structure of it is good. And you don't have any like weird breaks where someone stops talking mid word or something that sounds unnatural. It will just be normal promise awesome well anyways so where are we now uh, so Neris shows up comes through up through the gate and man i feel the same he's like he goes to lieutenant colonel mitchell and is like you're not o'neill he's as bummed as i am I've, <laughs> right i've grown attached to o'neill and macgyver and yeah show. and he's all like no he won't even be here and i'm all just like same this isn't how I imagined this episode going either, dude. And then he goes over to Vala and he's like, you're not Carter. And she's like, no, no, <laughs> no. It's like, at least we got Teal here, who is the leader of the Jaffa rebellion, which I totally predicted like episode two or three of this podcast. So yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Proud of myself for that one. And let's see. So, oh, and then he demands a lot of food. Yes. I got, 
I feel you, dude. <laughs> we then get a brief like scene guy. of a bunch of Jaffa just shooting at the force field. That is their only plan. They don't do anything else. Just shoot, 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 shoot. And then we cut back <laughs> and Chris is enjoying his buffet. I love seedless grapes blow his mind. He's just like, there's no seeds, but you need seeds. And I'm like, ha ha, we win one on you, space aliens. We figured it out. Welcome to Earth. He also is able to, to turn off his voice. Oh, yeah. I think that's the first time we've seen that. I know it's the first time we've, mm -hmm. we three have seen a ghoul or whatever being able to shut off their voice. And some of the some of the SG crew are surprised as that as we are. <laughs> it's like, oh, you could do that this whole time? <laughs> I need audience dear dear audience i need something from you maybe even you vic i need someone to take this dude near us here and photoshop him at that one state dinner trump had with all the fast food please oh boy yeah oh i'll do that later today after i get done editing <laughs> thank you so uh, Neris has a oh go ahead no 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 take it ben so, enough. I don't need to say a fucking everything. So <laughs> Neris has this hologram showing the, the, the force field. And we hear that SG3 has checked him out before they bring him here. Is that but he brought job? like a magic hockey puck. It's just like, <laughs> how do you know that's not a bomb? <laughs> Come on, man. man. Yeah. He tells us of a Jaffa world, Kalana, that has this big shield around it and it's Stargate. Mm -hmm. And... I was wondering if the show had shifted over from doing just a plots to maybe an a plot B plot thing early in this episode. And then at this is the point where it's all like, no, this is still a single plot show. Mm. Uh, the or I have kept <laughs> a stargate open for two days, which is not possible per normal power generation. It's weird that they have a, like it's physically impossible to do it for more than 38 minutes, but also more power can keep it open longer. Yeah. Because those are conflicting ideas. Mm -hmm. This made me very mad. Appreciate you want to like show that the these Ori are super, super powerful. But like if you're going to write sci-fi rules, keep to yeah, your sci-fi rules. rules. Find fun yeah. stuff to do within the sci-fi rules. Don't just be like, and these bad guys can break the rules. Because that's mm -hmm. dumb. It's bullshit. And it makes me mad. Then it wasn't a rule. Yeah. It's just like you it can't be impossible for a Stargate to stay open for more than 38 minutes because of wormhole physics. Mm -hmm. Unless you have a wormhole physics breaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the O-Rites practice tantric wormhole and can go for two days. <laughs> Ding. Tantric wormhole. Yeah. Uh, That's nearest... the name of my next punk band. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this Teal'c is just like, oh, so we're fucked. Yeah. How could we possibly fight something so advanced? Which Earlier, during the meeting before Nera showed up, I, I wrote down that I, I kind of got the same vibe as Babylon 5 when the new General Hammond is talking about how the other Gua'uld see humans as major players now because we defeated the Replicators, we defeated the Gua'uld, we defeated Anubis. And it reminded me a lot of the attitude that the humans had in Babylon 5, the timeline after they defeated the Dilgar. They think mm -hmm. they're all big and bad now. We're major players. Let's just go fuck with the Mimbari. And we all know how that turned out. So, <laughs> Yeah, but General, Land yeah. General Landry is calling O'Neill, so we know he's still alive. And he's demanding now Colonel Carter. This show is just lousy with colonels. So <laughs> I guess I didn't know if I go on to any military base, it's just going to be some sergeants lousy. and colonels walking around. Know, right? And then two sure. guys who are not technically part of the military. Yeah, and you're, and you're a journalist from Warehouse 13. Yeah. yeah. But we do have a fun bit where O'Neill is... I love that they're, even though he's not there, they're keeping the O'Neill character alive where he's just breaking General Landry's balls. He's just like, no, you can't have her. I won't let her leave Area 51. I don't care what you say. I'm a general too. Nope, nope. Oh, she's at your door already? Ha ha. I got you. Yeah. It must have been a big promotion for him because he was a one-star general last time we saw him. And he is bossing around a two-star general here, which means oh, he's wow. theoretically a three-star general. Jeez, man. O'Neill climbing those ranks, man. So their plan is to stargate to a nearby world, to the Prometheus, and then take the Prometheus the rest of the way. And we do get that bit about Carter at Area 51 when she comes yep. in. That's and I got to ask you, Vic, what happened to her? What the hell happened? Can't explain. But I got the band. Oh! 
So what happened here was, well, you remember how Carter's dad wanted her to go to NASA? Well, I'm going to say that her, his, her dad's dying wish was that she quit fucking around at the Stargate program and go to NASA. And she was like, look, dad, look, all right, I'm putting you on a medical transport plane and we're going to Area 51 and, and I'm going to get a new job here. Fine, just to shut you up, just to show you all the cool shit that we have that is way cooler than anything NASA has. <laughs> and and uh, while they're at Area 51, they're like, oh, your dad is dying of brain cancer or whatever it was. Oh, well, we've got an alien device that we can wave over him and, and cure that. So they, they wave the alien device over him. Dad's fine. And Carter's like, hey, look at all this cool shit here. Man, we've got a Stargate 2.0. No, 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 I have a Stargate 2.0. That would be dumb. They have... What's a cool thing they have? They have the Jaffa Yeet stick that the Ori guy used at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. It's like, this thing's awesome. So, yeah, that's what Carter's doing now. She's working at Area 51. Well, and we find out she developed the, yeah, Drea, the super, nuke. super nuke. This thing is terrifying. We'll talk about it more later. <laughs> so we get our team, which apparently now it's allowed that there are you can send five people out of mission. It, it it's allowed because Carter's going I along. The Stargate wouldn't work when you put more than four people through it the way <laughs> you treat this thing. Right. So they jump to the Prometheus that is not being run by General Hammond. So I'm gonna say it. Last time on, General Hammond is gone. Oh no. Yeah, probably. I, think, yeah. I get that vibe. He had a real martyrdom streak the last couple of times we saw him. So I would we like we'd hear about him leading missions himself and doing all these things and yep uh, it it was bound to happen. You think he kamikaze himself out of existence and was just like had one final blaze of glory? I'm sure whatever it was, it involved probably a season finale and a blaze of glory. We also find out Vala has to go because the effects are wearing off from the bracelets with Doctor Daniel Jackson. So, Jafar, I have to ask you, what happened to her? So, these bracelets are, there's like a set of them, and they each wore one, and they had to do it to escape some kind of labyrinthy puzzle thing, right? They, they were trapped in a thing, maybe they were captured, and... Probably. Uh, Statistically. And these, <laughs> these let them, like, switch places or something. And the long-term after-effects is that they can't be terribly far from each other, which we hear referenced multiple times throughout this episode. You sons of bitches. I, I, <laughs> I have to say, I anticipated getting what happened here for the bracelets, but not the Area 51 thing. <laughs> I had a thing See, I was going to say they went to evil Mirror Universe Claire's. <laughs> we know that there's a Mirror Universe episode from a correct there's... prediction. We just haven't... We don't know when or where or why. So, yeah, Hyundai, I was going to say that Daniel Jackson got drunk on Space Vegas and there was a, a hangover style episode where he just wakes up in the honeymoon suite with Vala and these bracelets. And in this Space Vegas planet, when you get married, you're like joined at the hip with these bracelets and you can't be separated from each other. So he's like, fuck, what the hell did I do? And Vala's all just like, hello, darling. Yeah. <laughs> Their relationship status on Facebook is definitely, it's complicated. <laughs> like Sorry, when they are, sometimes like they're standing next to each other and it looks like they're almost like cuddling. And then other times they're talking like they can't stand each other. Yeah. Oh yeah, because so... we noticed, I, I, it jumped out to me, Vala is wearing her tactical scarf and then when they get to the Prometheus, J Dan Jax is just like, take that off. Hey, don't wear don't wear a, a tactical scarf here. Like, have some decorum. And it's like, come on, man. Also, I did appreciate he's like talking about, hey, be cool here. And she's like, I know this place. I stole it once. That was, awesome. <laughs> that was the exact last episode that we saw, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 We uh, briefly cut back to Neris eating at his at his buffet table. And I noticed. He's got goblets. And I have to ask, we know he sent forward a list of demands. Did he demand goblets? Or was whoever setting up the feast being like, I don't know, hedonistic alien, he's going to want goblets. Or I'm going to say, last time on, we discover humans are the only people who can drink from cups. Everybody else demands it must be wider than it is deep. We can't touch this. What are these cups? How dare you? This is anathema. Yeah, it just seems like a goblet kind of guy oh it fits his whole vibe oh yeah yeah, yeah. Jafar, I have real to ask big as a... on making sure that they drop nukes here yes oh, yeah 
he continually is like, well, you got to fucking nuke them. Like, you're going to super nuke them, right? Because you should totally fucking nuke them. It's he the only way to be sure. nuke them where I can see it. <laughs> he he knows how to manipulate Americans, I got to say. He's all just like, you got to nuke it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him and John Sheridan are bros. Jafar, I got to ask, though, as, yeah. a, as a brewmaster, like, how do, does the the diameter of the, the receptacle affect the taste drinking yeah. experience in any way? Sure does. So. Uh, <laughs> how how deep in the weeds do you want to get right now? Explain like I'm five. So a lot of common ingredients in alcoholic beverages are sensitive to different aspects of air, usually mm. oxygen, right? Like tannins, like you know how you let wine breathe, right? No, that's you keep it in the bag and then pour it right in your face. oxygen exposure to, to the tannins that changes the flavor, right? Which is why you drink red wine out of wider glasses to yeah. increase the oxygen exposure of the wine to bring out a different flavor. Now, if you were to drink it out of like a like glass that was like an inch deep and like 10 inches wide or something ridiculous, right? You would over oxidize and it tastes like you had left the wine out overnight. Yeah. Okay. Quickly. This is also why bottle glass bottles have thinner necks mm. prevent as much oxygen as possible and keeping the seal small so that there's less area for it to get exposed fascinating so yes oxygen right. exposure does impact a lot of alcoholic beverages and it does actually make a difference in the flavor no no one, one more question does the you know, the moscow mule the copper cup does that mm -hmm. affect the flavor at all because when i was yes in... but not for reasons why you want to know about well, I mean, I guess you could know about it. It's about the beverage actually corrodes the copper. It adds the, a metallic aftertaste to it. Yeah, no, you should not drink out of copper cups. It's really bad but for you. That's why all of the, the modern Moscow Mule Cups actually have a stainless steel insert. That's good to, to know. That. Because you I should... was in when I was in California, I got a Moscow Mule somewhere, and it came in a plastic cup, and I was mad. I was like, no, I want the full experience. But you're telling me that was actually better than... It's, it's healthier yeah. for you. I mean, I think it's the kind of thing where you have to have a ton of exposure. You'd have to be someone who regularly drank Moscow mules out of straight copper mugs for it to be a actual health problem. I am Oh, not a dude, my ex-wife was one of those people. I am, I am not a doctor. Do not take any of this as actual medical advice. Please do research. Please talk to your doctors. But it is a thing. Like, that's why you're, you're not supposed to drink out of copper cups now. But unless she had a set of copper cups that are very old okay <laughs> almost anything you can buy now has the stainless steel inside so mm -hmm. as somebody who i'm i'm the kind of person where if i see a moscow mule on a, a on a menu i'm ordering the moscow mule it mm. almost everything you're not actually yeah. running into the copper problem it, it's is kind it, of like insisting on wearing leaded makeup yeah like is it okay so you have question. to go out of your way to find it yeah D dumb question but is it the same with the mexican mule because i prefer those with made with tequila instead of vodka well it's not about the beverage it's about the, it's about the copper okay cool yeah i was wondering if just maybe tequila had some kind of magical property that negated the copper you could it does have a magical property in that i i often end up singing loudly but yeah. <laughs> we will find out at stlv later this year so excited. Yeah. speaking of which we're gonna do a game at stlv yes ben and i i have to talk with ben about details I have I have ideas for a story, but I think Ben is a more descriptive and better DM than I am, yeah. and so I want him to run it. Cool. But I can, I can help with things. Yeah, I've never run STA, so I don't... yeah. If you're man, if you're an experienced dungeon master, the system is trivial. You know, you can yeah, you can run anything. So. We'll we'll get you up to speed. Yeah. Okay, okay. Back on pod. Back to Stargate. <laughs> the Prometheus arrives at Kalana, and they noted the atmosphere inside the force field has become toxic and that only the Ori Prior is in the field. They prepare to beam down in some spacesuits. Which, I was bummed out, they are act. old, like, crappy spacesuits. Those are some ridiculous spacesuits. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought that, because they, they look like they're wearing metallic adult diapers. I mean, this it's... show was made 20 years ago. I know, yeah. but, like, they've got spaceships, they've got Stargates, like... They just had people running around in cheap plastic armor the last episode. I expected it to be a, like, hey, we just have to put a helmet on our characters, and this is their spacesuit. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. the, the spacesuits in, in James Bond, the one in Moonraker, Moonraker, looked way, yeah, they looked way better than this crap. Like, what are they doing? They bring a nuke down with them. 
Oh, and this Ori, yeah, they talked to the Ori prior guy, and yeah. I'm I'm somewhat familiar with with Marvel comics, but does it seem like this guy is the Silver Surfer? In my notes, I refer to him as Powder a couple of times, <laughs> but that's a super dated reference, and yeah. I don't even know. I don't know how well that movie aged. So yeah, I don't know. I just got Silver Surfer vibes from him. He's a pale, bald guy who's heralding the incoming Her- apocalypse. Galactus, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, that's, I, that's a good call. That's a okay. good call. I like I, I like that Silver Surfer vibe. One um, thing we find out: so they have the it's the Mark Eleven, right? This the nuke, Mark Nine, Mark Nine. Yeah, and it is a Nequadria enhanced nuke, which means they figured out Nequadria. They figured yes. it out. Yeah. Okay, so sense. we'll we'll talk about this nuke in a minute. They give us <laughs> some terms in a minute of the size of the detonation. Oh, did you I do did some math? I did some math. Nuclear launch detected. Math. Some Jaffa ships rolling blasting without warning, though. Dude, they come in full Leroy Jenkins, just dropping out of yep. hyperspace and just blasting the fuck out of them. Yep. They note that this could institute a premature detonation of the device, and they get them to shop, stop. And then the Jaffa hail the Prometheus. G1 dodges the Jaffa leader's questions about how they know where this is from. And they can't be working with a ghoul to be on friendly terms with the free Jaffa. Right. And then they talk about the super nuke. It has a hundred mile radius of evaporation. This is insane. Um, let's let's, let's so get the math. A hundred kiloton yield will evaporate about one mile. The and it, this largest is, yeah. device ever set off and actually used was a Zarbamba? 50 megaton. Zarbamba. Yes, I'm talking about Zarbamba. Is it was a 50 megaton bomb. And it had about a six-mile core. Now, I did not have time to do all of the actual math here. So this is all vaguely inaccurate. So sorry if you are a nuclear physicist and I got shit wrong. (laughs) I'm assuming Um, it's a I did not have the time to learn. Yes, it is a... The amount of energy will have to go up. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Right. It's not an exponential rate. It's an factorial rate, which are exponential is a type of factorial. So it grows at a non-standard rate. So a six-mile core at Zarbamba had a 22-mile destruction radius, but the six miles was where things were evaporated, right? (laughs) So So a 100-mile evaporation could be several tens of thousands of miles in its destructive area. And I didn't have the time to math out how many megatons it is, but it probably moves past megatons into a larger description gigaton possibly gigatons possibly past that oh yeah <laughs> so yeah that's fun yeah, it's a uh, big fucking bomb <laughs> it's a big fucking bomb they are right when they say the shockwave could impact them in space yeah and right there that's very yeah. accurate carter invented a bomb big enough that sheridan would be like i'll leave delen for you uh, the the bomb goes off and the energy is absorbed into the force field pretty clearly. It's that growing. Was, that was cool as shit. Yeah, it's a really nice effect. Definitely the special effects budget that did not go into animating the Stargate earlier in this episode, or the Prometheus, <laughs> or the Prometheus was spent here. The Jaffa resume firing when the force field just starts growing. The Prometheus oh, did, did we, joins in. Do we gloss over the introduction of freaking Lou Gossett Jr. here? Oh, yeah, Garrett. That, the, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the Jaffa leader, yes. Dude, I totally I, glossed. I, I, come on, tell me I'm not the only one in this in this podcast who watched Iron Eagle. Sorry. I have not. Ah! I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. I freaking loved Iron Eagle, man. Lou Gossett, that's how I know Lou Gossett Jr. He's chappy. Chappy! When was this show? When was what? Oh, Iron Eagle, 1986. Okay, yeah, the, the movie. movie in 1986. It, it, was, it was the poor man's Top Gun. I will tell you, though, Lou Gossett Jr., part of one of my favorite weird pieces of movie trivia, if I'm not mistaken, Lou Gossett Jr. starred in the Blazing Saddles TV show. There was a Blazing Saddles TV show? They made two seasons of it. And not a single episode was ever aired. The reason being... It was so, a Blazing Saddles TV show? <laughs> yeah. So when they made the movie, part of that. So uh, uh, after they made the movie, they called up Mel Brooks and were like, hey, we're making Blazing Saddles 2. And he's like, no, you can't. I write it into all of my contracts that if you don't do anything with the, the property for a year, I get the rights back. 
And they said, haha, sucker, we've actually been making a TV show. We didn't have to release it. We just have to be doing something with it. Oh, that's evil. Yep. It's called Black Bart. I'm reading all about it right now. Yep. So they made two seasons of a, a Blazing Saddles TV show starring Lou Gossett Jr., where everybody worked, made a full TV show, and they just never put it out. That's, oh, man. As a way of maintaining the rights so they didn't revert back to Mel Brooks. That's damn. Okay, so one, I found the pilot. Yes, the pilot was later released on a Blu-ray, but that is it. Uh, Two, apparently they were lying about making the show. They only ever produced a pilot. Oh, okay. (laughs) This is fascinating. All right, well, this is not the Black Bart podcast. (laughs) Nope. Though if we want to do the 100 Lives of Black Jack Savage, I am on board. Uh, so the they resume fire, and Carter realizes that all of their fire is just strengthening this force field until it envelops the planet. And then something comes out of the Stargate, a bunch of unmanned ships. They're very nondescript. Uh, mm-hmm. The couple of them, Kamikaze, some Jaffa ships, and the Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, the Prometheus opens fire, I gotta say, I was very disappointed. When Crichton orders the Prometheus to open fire, they specifically mention charge the railgun. We do not see we that. We never get to see. We didn't get to see the fucking railgun. See the railgun. How it takes the... like a minute to charge up. Yeah, Take they launch a bunch of man. missiles, which is kind of cool, I guess. But they blue balled me on the railgun. I I demand a railgun. Damn it! <laughs> I was promised. I was told there'd be railguns. There are no railguns in this episode. Sir Isaac Newton is the deadliest son of a bitch in space. So, so we uh, find out part of this, it is consuming the planet, and the planet is turning into a black hole, ah, which right. kind of suddenly makes everybody, like, kind of threatening the Ori Prior. He's like, oh, this was a suicide mission from the very beginning. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you're going to go start this shield, and then the planet's going to turn into a black hole. You're going to die. You're going to ascend. And he's just like, man, I don't give a crap what any of you idiots have to say. I'm about to die. Like, he, yeah, he knew yeah. it was a one-way trip. So, so this guy, the Silver Surfer guy here, he's not an Ori, is what I'm getting. He he's an is, Ori prior? Yeah. So I'm guessing that means he's a servant of the Ori or something. Presumably, yeah. They because, don't. He doesn't insist people address him as God, and he talks about ascending by serving yeah. the gods. So I would assume he is not actually an Ori. And, and, and I noted earlier that when someone asked him about the Ori, he referred to them as they, as opposed mm-hmm. to we. So yeah. I'm thinking he's not an Ori, which I'm going to say last time on, we discovered that the Ori are a race of whale people. They're space whales. That'd be fun. Yeah. I'll take it. I want to, I want a final battle to where they have to call in the Tok'ra to fight the, the, the space whales, the turtle people versus the whale people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we know that the true enemy of the, the whale people is the potted plant people. Oh, no, not again. (laughs) Thank you, Vic. (laughs) Yes. All right. The Jaffa piece out. Vala is like, hey, what if we do this? Hey, what if we end this consistently ignored? So she takes (laughs) matters into her own hands. She rings over to the hidden cargo ship to complete the super gate that the Ori are now forming to bring their armada across. Yeah, they're trying to bring a spaceship-sized Stargate. Yeah. Yeah. Which, have we seen cloaking devices before? Because she beams over and she mentions that the ship was cloaked. Is this the first time we've seen cloaking devices, or am I, I think so. missing something? Yeah, so. I don't believe we've seen them before. Yeah. Well, I guess we wouldn't have because they're cloaked. So. Yeah. She tries to ring out at the last moment, and the gate is destroyed. Neris is in holding on Earth. He was planning on ascending when put to death, but they're not going to kill him. He's going to be held captive and starved until he cooperates. Rule. Yeah. <laughs> no more chicken for you. <laughs> guessing Landry was reassigned from Gitmo. Yeah, Mitchell asks Carter to rejoin the front lines at Stargate Command, and I'm guessing she does because Val is written out, so that brings our team four again. DJ is okay despite them believing Vala has died, but they don't think she's dead. They think she's just stuck in the Ori galaxy now to credits. Which that 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 scene of Daniel Jackson suddenly like fainting or whatever, it it didn't happen until after that they mentioned that Vala is gone. Like, that's, that was some of the worst acting ever, man. He was like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be feeling the effects of her leaving or some shit. That, so that I'm going to make my guess right here. This is the setup for Stargate Universe. I'm going to say that, that that's what's happening. Vala this is going to Stargate be... This was the Stargate Universe spinoff? Yeah, this is, this is how that happens. She's going to be the lead of that. 
Yeah, it was to say there's no way she's actually dead. The these no, they they foreshadowed it way too much, saying like, well, she might be over in the Ori galaxy. She's yeah, not actually yeah. dead. As long as we remember her, she's still alive or whatever. She's still being weird and creepy in our hearts. I did appreciate she has a bit where she's just like, wow, that thing is huge. And she's like, what? It is. It's not all innuendo. It's it's The, the shield is huge. <laughs> I love her, man. She is totally the opposite of her character on Farscape, with the exception of the tight leather. <laughs> she brought that over, apparently. <laughs> all right, so Jafar, how many SGs do you give this episode? Wrong podcast. <laughs> how many, how many chevrons? on a scale of one to seven chevrons. Yeah. <laughs> but what I can do is give us a quick dice roll and give me a moment to figure out what episode we'll be watching next. And uh, well, Vic, why don't you go ahead and start pulling up our predictions yep. from last time? All right. <laughs> so season 10, episode six, what is the name? Morpheus. Is uh, it Morbin time? On, it might be Morbin time. It might be a Sandman crossover, though. On a mission to find a weapon that will defeat the power, their powerful foe, the Ori, the team finds a planet whose inhabitants were killed by a mysterious illness. No, not a bioweapon episode. Those are terrible. This was season 10 we're in now? Yep, season 10, episode 6. Yep, wow. season 10, episode 6. Let me go ahead down to the lab. We got the results here. Okay, who had Vala Never Returns? You're wrong. I, well, I had Vala Never Returns. Vala does return. You cheeky Vala fuck. Vala returns a lot. Yes, so you got you got five points. So Vala and Daniel Jackson hook up. That was years then, Ben. That was it? mine. Yep, totally confirmed, so that's one point there. No points for Hammond rescued Hammond being rescued by the Atlantis crew. That got actually zero points. All right. Yeah. But SG-1 did kill Ball. So you three points and then there. So the, yeah, they kill ball and make a ball pun. And then I made the prediction of someone from SG one goes on a talk oh. show that got four. I'm going to throw that one on as a, make that a maybe, but did get six votes on Teal's son betraying him and an additional 10 votes on the Prometheus getting destroyed. Oh no. Yeah. So that brings my current total. You're at 41. Yeah. I'm at 41 points. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm at 38. So. 37 right now is no way now it's time for us to make some predictions for next time on last time on lincoln what are you doing up there guessing i guess no one's coming i have seen into the future you ruined the prophecy all right i can start us off go for it daytime predictions there is a dinner party murder mystery episode (laughs) oh i love it dinner party murder mystery (laughs) My evening prediction, the SG team finds another planet with an SG team. Uh, Now, let me explain here because it is not outwardly apparent what I'm trying to get at. They open the Stargate to a planet. They go to the planet and they find that that planet has its own version of the Stargate program. It's a good prediction. I like that. Not an alternate world or universe thing. There might be some fun similarities. I don't expect them to be doppelgangers. But they find, like, another group of humans at a similar technology level that is doing their own Stargate program thing with (laughs) SG teams. They might call them, like, oh, this is our gate to the stars, so we're the GS1. (laughs) You know, like, something like that, probably. Uh, Something along those lines. And then my prime time is we never see the Prometheus's railgun fire. Oh, you asshole. I don't want it to be true, no. but sci-fi special effects budget tells me it might be. Man, I'd just be happy just with a glowing beam, man. I'm not asking for much. I just want to see the rail gun. All right, Ben, you ready or should I go? I can go. I did have to change one up because I had forgotten that you made one about the Prometheus blowing up. And so I made a guess about the Prometheus blowing up, but literally that's not fair to do right ben. now. Yep, I forgot about it. <laughs> so I'm going to go with my daytime prediction. The Ori eventually do have a ship-sized Stargate. They, they're able to make it. My evening prediction. So we are getting near the end game. So far, they've done a pretty cute job of, hey, even when our main characters aren't on the show, oh, hey, they're at Area 51, and we're, we're calling them off screen. I'm going to say one of our main SG-1 members is going to die and stay dead. Mm, an SG-1 member dies. Mm, yes. needs to be more specific, Ben. One of the original, like, so one of the... F- yeah, not a, not a replacement. Not Jonas comes back and dies. One of our, like, Jackson would have to die and stay dead. 
O'Neill would have to, like, die in the finale. You know, Teal has to sacrifice himself to free all the Jaffa. Oh, you want you want to count General Hammond as one of those as well? Um, no, no, it, it is one of our out in the field. Given that we already think he's dead, team members, no, dies and stays dead. Has to have been in the the opening credits, and then finally, the show ends with them shutting down the Cheyenne Mountain complex, including a like last person out shutting off the lights shot, similar to the. Babylon 5. Yeah, or Cheers, or whatever it is where it's, hey, not only is the show ending, there will be no more adventures here. Yep. They might move the Stargate and say, hey, Cheyenne Complex is done, we're putting it on a space station. But SG-1's ends with no more Cheyenne Mountain. I, I, I really hope they unplug the Stargate and it turns out it's powered by one of those big giant orange extension cords. I'm going to go for my predictions now. Right. My first one's a very easy one. I'm going to say Vala and Jonas never meet. All right. My medium-sized prediction. There's an episode where it was all a dream. For that one, I'm going to have to say, though, it's not like that clip show one where it was half a dream. It has to be all entirely a dream. All a dream. Like Carter wakes up and was like, oh, it was all a dream. And then the credits rolled. One of those. And then finally, we already know we've seen a planet destroyed. We're pretty sure that or is implied that a star is blown up. Finally, I'm going to say that in the final season, there's a universe destroying device. (laughs) We go from planet killer to star killer to universe killer. Okay. Well, that wraps up our episode. So now it's time for... Thank you. Thank you. Right for letting us use Goon Squad as a theme music. We appreciate the hell out of it. I still love this song every time it comes on. And if you are a fan of this song, go listen to the Audio Tree live version of it because it's banger. Nice. I'll be listening to that on the way to lunch. And thank you to everyone in the Dominion Media Research Lab. Thank you for helping us out, participating and making our podcast happen. If you'd like to join, look up Dominion Media Research Lab on Facebook. If you want to drop us a comment, hit us up at lasttimeon at gmail.com and leave us a five-star review, and we will give you a shout-out here on the show. And feel free to join our Discord. How do, how do they join the Discord? Do you just search Discord for Last Time On? It should be linked on the Facebook page, and if someone just asks and tag us, I can send an invite. And thank you, Annette Lucina, for your photograph of a television that we have used to make our podcast artwork. Thank you for making free art so we can make free art. We will see you next time on Last Time On.